let us open our Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 2. And if you're feeling really just if you have a lot of energy, you can just flip back to Matthew 28 uh, as well. Uh, we're going to kind of begin our time in Matthew 28. It won't be on the screen. I'm going to briefly talk about, uh, man, the Great Commission. Uh, and then we'll spend uh, really kind of the end of our time today looking and really just kind of walking through, uh, man, what the early church looked like. So what we're doing is we started last week something we do every September, which is a value series. Every September we take a break to say, hey, we want to be reminded, be shaped by, and really refocus in on what we value as a church that's planted here. And today uh, we're going to look at what it means to be a church that seeks to be an engaging community. So if you remember, uh, I shared last week that, that we didn't just plant a church here because we thought that Brenham needed another church. Like there are plenty of churches in Brenham. There are plenty of good churches in Brenham. But the reason uh, really we felt called to plant, and, and it kind of leads into our mission or vision statement as a church, which is that Center Church, not the building, not the program, not the brand, but we as God's people... That we believe that we are called to seek to be good neighbors to Brenham by, by displaying the good news of Jesus in every part of our lives. And so when we think about that, when we think about who we are, we are a people that seek to be good neighbors to this context. And if you live in Burton or Belleville or Houston or wherever it is, uh, that man, that you, uh, even in that, would seek to be a good neighbor where you are that displays the good news of Jesus that has transformed your life. In every single part of your life, not just uh, in certain parts or on certain days. And so last week, what we did is we talked about what it means to create this kind of culture. And, and, and man, if we are going to be a culture of good neighbors, what does that look like? And I shared, uh, Dave Ferguson, uh, I heard him speak a few weeks back and he had a definition and he defined culture as this. Culture is the spontaneous repeated patterns of behavior. So it's something that, that uh, you not only value, but based on the things that you talk about, the, the, the narratives that you speak, it becomes behaviors that are just spontaneous and natural to who you are. It just begins to kind of, it, 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 it just oozes out of you, right? Like rivers, as Scripture says, of living water. And so when looking at our values and these stories, I mean, I believe, and, and we started last week looking at these certain behaviors that, man, I think if we're going to be a church that's good neighbors to our city, that we're going to have to really press into and grow in. And so I've laid out four behaviors for this month that, that I want to grow in. First is that we would be a church that's biblically transformed, which is what we looked at last week. Next, and today we're going to look at that we would be a, a church that's an engaging community. Next week, we're going to look at what it means to be a church that lives into and lives out of honest transparency. And then we're going to close out by looking at what does it mean for us to be a church that is about caring service. And so last week, we saw that we don't simply... uh, the need to be, we, we saw not simply the need to be biblically transformed, but really what, what I argued last week as we looked at being a church that's biblically transformed is that, I man, really the foundation of what we do would we, is that we would see that biblical transformation 
comes when we realize and begin to lean into the truth that the word is about God and it's not about us, right? So it's about God, but secondly, that it finds its apex. It finds everything is centered upon uh, the narrative of who Jesus is and what he's done to redeem. And the next, we, we saw that the word gets to the heart and transforms, uh, not by doing better, but by the renewing of our mind. Which then leads, lastly, to us, man, believing and, and proclaiming and walking out the truth that, man, God's word is imperative for transformation. It means that that's what we run to first. When we have a question about life, when we have a question about what's going on in our hearts, man, while it's good to go to others for wisdom, while it's good uh, to, to read and study and, and, and seek wisdom, man, we, it has to line up with the scriptures and we should go there. This leads us to our second behavior that we're looking at, which is that we would be an engaging community. So, and there are many visitors in the room today. Uh, this is something we do, uh, which we do. It's call and response, right? So I'm going to ask a question and then you get to respond. Okay. Uh, all right. So when you hear the word community, what comes to mind? Neighbor. Families. Church. Friends. Man, that's like the most interaction we've ever gotten in that quick of a time. Good job. Pat yourself on the back, right? Y'all can go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when we think of community, those are things we think of. We think of neighbors. We think of, man, a people that with similar values, right? Or uh, a people that, man, even have a common goal or family, friends, right? Like for some of you, your, your family, are they are your neighbors or they used to be, you know? And, and you, you, you think about these things when we think about community. But what does it mean to be an engaging community? So earlier this year, we did a three-week series through Easter entitled Engaging Redemption. And what we looked at was how Jesus engages our sin, doubt, and insecurities by way of His life, death, and resurrection. By way of the good news, Jesus engages those things. And to kick off that series, I defined engaging uh, as a verb that means to occupy, attract, or involve one's life or attention. You see, when we think about, man, when we think about being an engaging community, man, we have to begin with Jesus. Just as I said last week, like, the Word is not about us, and it finds its center on who Jesus is and what He's done. You see, this is what Jesus does. This is the beauty of the Gospel. That God would put on flesh and dwell among us. That He would come and proclaim the kingdom. That He would reveal His heart to us. That He would suffer and die on our behalf. And then He would rise in victory. You see, and Jesus engages us. Let me give you a few ways that He engages us. First, He engages us when we were enemies. Scripture says that we were enemies of God. It's not that we just didn't care about God. No, actually, we hated. We were at war against God. And yet Jesus still engaged us. I love uh, Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly. He said that while Jesus, the cleanest person that ever lived, came and saw the unfathomable horrors of brokenness, he did not run away. He engaged it. His first impulse is to move towards the broken, to spend time with the broken. He touched the broken. I love what Ortland says. He says, the clean one 
When the clean one, Jesus, touched an unclean sinner, Christ did not become unclean. The sinner became clean. So Jesus engaged us even as we're enemies and he makes us clean. But also we know that he engages our doubts, our insecurities and our sins. But he does that. Guess what? He does that then and he's doing it now. So often I think we have a limited scope of the gospel and we believe, well, the gospel is something that I believed and was saved at one point and they punched that ticket. And when I die, I'm going to hand that ticket uh, uh, at the gates and I'm going to get in, right? Who cares what I do here? No, the gospel of Jesus saved you then and now what he's doing. Even now it says that he's interceding on our behalf and by his spirit, he is transforming us more and more into what? Into his image. He engages our past, present, and He will continue to gauge our future. And lastly, Jesus engages us so that we might engage others. Jesus brings us into the community of the kingdom and the church so that we might then go and engage others as a community. If you have your Bibles in Matthew 28, what you see is Jesus. I'm just going to paraphrase but what he says is the disciples come and it says some worship and some doubt it, which should be good news because guess what? At times we struggle with doubt. Uh, but he looks at him and he says, look, all authority has been given to me in, in heaven and on earth. Really what Jesus says, he says, man, I rule over all. I'm the king. But then he says, go and he gives this command, go, therefore, and what? And make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them or immersing them. Which is another way of telling them to engage in the lives of others by way of proclaiming the good news. And then showing them, teaching them what life in the kingdom is like. And that's so key for us today. You see, we have been engaged. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been engaged to engage. You are not to find yourself as a solo Christian. We say this all the time. There are no solo believers. You have been brought into relationship with God, but also you have now been brought into relationship with others. And that's twofold. One, the church. You cannot disconnect yourself from the local body. But also you've been connected and God in his plan has surrounded you with people that need to hear this good news. So that you might display the countercultural love and grace of the kingdom. And so when we think about engagement or engaging, uh, man, the first thing you probably think of is the engagement of marriage, right? When we talked about engaging redemption, I talked about the story of Haley and I's engagement. And uh, when I asked and she said no, and then she looked at me and said, ha ha, just kidding. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're past that. We're almost 10 years in now. Uh, but what, what happens is when we think about that, really the time of engagement is the time to press in. The time to learn and to prepare oneself and your relationship for marriage when it's done in a healthy way. Like that's why I love premarital counseling. I'm doing premarital counseling with a couple now, and after the new year, Noah Brazier is going to be getting married, and he called me, so I'm going to get to do his premarital counseling. And part of my joy is not only pointing them to Jesus, but watching them squirm, right? Like, as they're met with, like, this is not the person I thought it was, right? Or we don't agree on that, you know? And, and I get to, they just get to walk through this. Like, the, the newlyweds over here are like, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, right? Like, amen, uh, <laughs> 
Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's this wrestling, it's this revealing, and it's good. And so we talk about it like that, but today what I want to do in talking about this call to engage as a community of faith is I want to actually come at it from a different direction and look at really our tendency and even our readiness to disengage. You see, because culture, and, and we did this last week where we'll look at, man, there's the culture of the world, but also like oftentimes like what's going on in the world while we can have pride and like shame and like oftentimes there's some unhealth over here in the church and we need to be aware of it or it needs to be made known and exposed. So when we think about worldly culture, but also church culture, we can be really quick both can be really quick to encourage you to disengage from things that God might be calling you into. So to disengage is to separate or release oneself from something which you are attached or connected to. And so why, why is our desire or often man, our posture or really our readiness to disengage? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons, but I'm going to give a few quick ones and then we're going to, I want to tell a story that relates to it and then I want to present how Jesus is better than those things. So we commonly disengage because first, uh, something else grabs our attention, right? You know, we're going along and this is really good and the grass is greener. Something's more comfortable. Maybe we get bored. So we're on to the next thing. Next, maybe we, we, maybe in the moment, like you engage, but then you get new information or you realize pretty quickly, this is not what I signed up for. The third reason, I think this will really hit home today, especially when we talk about church, is one of the common reasons we disengage from relationships in general, but specifically the church, is because of hurt. I mean, how many of you have been hurt by the church? I mean, I'll be the first to raise my hand, right? Like all of us have some form of hurt when it comes to the life of the church. And so we're guarded. We come in with baggage. But lastly, the other, uh, another reason we disengage is because it costs us something we're not willing to give up. So when I was in my early 20s, uh, me and a few of my roommates, we got really into UFC fighting. Not like we weren't UFC, like I wasn't UFC fighting, uh, but like we were, we got really into watching UFC. So anytime there's a pay-per-view, we were ordering it and we were getting together and we were going to watch UFC, right? We were engaged in UFC, but my friend, and, and some of you know him, uh, I'll tell you his, his nick, I just call him Fatty, okay? That's his nickname since we were, we grew up together since we were little kids. Uh, like his name is Brandon. He's preached here before, but man, he got really into it. So much so that he was like, I'm going to engage in some UFC fighting. And he signed up for an MMA class in Waco. So we're in Waco. And he, man, he jumps head first because that's what we do, right? Go big or go home, you know? This is Texas. We're here. We're going to do this. We're going to do it the best, you know? And so he jumps in and not only, like, I, I witness it. Man, his time begins to be taken up by MMA. He's going three to four classes a week, Right? But not only that, like he starts, it's like if you play golf, like you start playing golf, like every week you just show up with more stuff, you know, 
And, uh, like I do, I do CrossFit. I don't like to talk about it. Uh, but I, like, I'm always like, Hey, it's like, what do you want for Christmas? And I'll just tell her some kind of CrossFit stuff I want. She's like, why? Uh, but he, he, man, he had the knee pads, like the, he had sparring gloves. He bought a speed bag that we hung up in the house. And man, he was just in there just getting after it. And I'm watching him engage in this. I mean, not only that, but he, man, he talks the talk, right? He, he's talking about it. He, man, if, if he would have, if social media would have been what it was at that point, like he would have, it would have been all over his social media page, which we can relate to that, right? Like I, I ask, like I, I encourage you to go look and see, man, what you really care about and are really engaged in is what you're going to see all over your social media. We, we, we say this all the time, right? Like that, but like that was him. He was engaged in it. And then he wasn't. Really quickly, he seemed to disengage. About a month into his journey to be the next ultimate fighter, I noticed that, that Brandon had stopped talking about his class. He'd stopped practicing on the speed bag. He'd even stopped going to his class. And so I just asked him, and he, he told me, man, I'm, I'm done. And his reasons were fairly similar to the four I just gave you earlier. First, his girlfriend that's now his wife didn't like it, and it wasn't good for his look. He got a black eye, okay? <laughs> like... And he, like, it got, like, she had his attention now, right? Like, and so he was like, it's not good for my look. Secondly, it wasn't what he signed up for. So a few sessions after he started, th- this gym was a fight club pretty much, and they just threw him in the, the lion's den with some guy that was like three times his size and had a lot more experience, and that guy just pummeled him. Which led to reason three, he got hurt. What he told me, he was like, look, man, like I went in ready to go. But when I got punched in the face, I realized I don't like getting punched in the face. You know, it's like Mike Tyson says, right? Like everyone has a plan when they get in the ring until you get punched in the face. And then you're like, what's the, he didn't know. And he was like, I don't like this. But then lastly, also it cost him too much. A kid in grad school that's living off student loans doesn't have the money to pay for MMA classes, right? And so just as quickly as he engaged in the life of a fighter, he was out. And I believe, like, as we hear that, man, that sums up well our struggle to engage in deep and meaningful ways as the body of Christ, who have been called to creating a culture of engaging community where we find ourselves. You see, on the one hand, the culture around us, and guess what? The culture around us is always going to tell us to disengage and isolate, to do your own thing, to remove yourself from anything that's difficult, that hurts you, that costs you, that you don't agree 100% with. And move on to something new and better that comes along. But while the culture does that, and again, the church culture that we often buy into proclaims the same broken lies that lead us into the same patterns when it comes to engaging in the life of the church. We engage in the church and then something new catches our eye. We engage in the life of the church and then we find it more comfortable just not to show up. There's something better to do with our time and so we run to it. And guess what? It's not just football at noon anymore. Right? Like that used to be the thing, right? Well, guess what? We get done at 1115. Okay? Like... And also the Cowboys already played on Thursday. So it doesn't matter. Like, you're good. Wait till next week. But like, that used to be it. I got to get home. I got to watch football. 
But man, I think like if we're really honest, like I, I think what COVID did, when man, when everything kind of shut down for that season, it is it did two things. One, we learned that man, uh, for some it was like man, I long for community because we didn't have it. You know, for some, like it was really exciting getting back last August whenever we relaunched. Uh, but then I think, man, what it kind of revealed is something that was probably already there in the heart. Man, it's easy to sleep in on Sundays. It's easy not to engage in the life of our missional community or in a quip or any like. Uh, and I'm just talking about what we the things that the things that like, in the life of relationship of the church. You see, the church, be it the gathering, MC, equip, serving others, man, becomes dispensable, meaning if you have something better going on or to do, go do that. But guess what? Like, there's nothing better. And I'm not just saying that because I have to wake up on Sunday mornings and come here. There's nothing better. Also, I want you to hear this. I understand, man, being safe and taking precautions is good. Like, I don't want you to, like, feel like, well, you know, I don't feel safe or I don't feel like I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about like when your heart is just like, I know I can go, but I'm just not gonna. There's nothing better. Maybe the next thing, the reason you disengage from church is because you jumped in and you're like, well, this is not what I signed up for. Guess what? Our church can be a little overwhelming. Right. Like we can be at times, like especially if you get like, do you, like you go to a missional community or you go to equip and like men are like saying, hey, what about you? What are you struggling with? Right. You walk into that and you're like, ah, not what I signed up for. Right. I just want to come in, walk out. You're fine getting together, but man, don't ask me how you really, really are. Don't show me that you really, really care. And God forbid, call you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Maybe you engaged, but you disengaged because you got hurt. And guess what? I want to say this. Sometimes church hurt is, is, is legitimate. But don't run away from it because it's legitimate. God wants to do something. You see, for many, disengagement comes because they were hurt. And so to make sure you never get hurt again, you disengage forever. Not only that, but oftentimes when we're hurt in the church, like we disengage and we never tell the person that they hurt us. Well, if we would have just engaged that and said, hey, that hurt, we could probably reconcile. I mean, also, like when you think about that, do we do this in other relationships that we care for? I would say uh, maybe, right? We're very quick to just change friends, right? I'll write you off. You get one chance. But I think, man... I would argue, and maybe it's just because I'm a pastor, but I think that we've made it easier to disengage with the church because we hold far less value of the church. Which leads me to the last thing is that, man, at times we engage and then disengage because it costs more than we're willing to give up. I'll join, but don't ask me to do anything. (laughs) Don't call me to anything financial, emotional, or sacrificial, don't butt in on my time. You've got until 12 o'clock on Sunday, okay? 11.45, right? And you see, because of this, for many, 
because we do these things, what's happened in large part? Like if you look at, man, just the life of the church in general, man, uh, man, uh, I, I believe that for many, faith and following Jesus is a disengaged life. What I mean by that is this. First, it's a disengaged faith. So for some of you maybe in the room today, like you're just here because, man, it, you're, your faith is the faith of your parents. You're like, well, I'm a believer because my parents were believers and their parents were believers and, you know, or they went to church, you know, or uh, maybe maybe today, like you're in here, it's just like, well, this is just the cultural thing to do, right? You go to church on Sunday. You see, those things are not faith. It's a disengaged faith. It's not genuine. It doesn't get below the surface to the heart. You see, Jesus, when you do that, Jesus is nothing but a badge worn outwardly, but there's no engagement in the life of the person. Even the demons proclaim Jesus as Lord, right? But not only is it a disengaged faith, man, a lot of times for people, like it leads to this belief, this, this false belief or wrong belief in a disengaged Savior. Maybe some of you in the room are like, well, I would engage in, in the life of following Jesus and in community, but I don't believe that I have no faith that Jesus really cares about me or for me. I'm disengaged because he seems to be disengaged. Thirdly, it leads to a disengaged community. You see, in a privacy fence culture, we guard our hearts in the same way, do we not? Because we fear being exposed, found out, or because we fear someone knowing that we have mess in our lives. We all do. It's okay. Safe place. We never let anyone in. We, we just give the cordial, how are you? And then the response is of just what? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm better than I deserve, Right? I'm only going to let you this far. I'm not going to let you in. Because if really it, it, we think, man, if you saw how I really am, you wouldn't really care for me and love me. But really is actually rooted in you don't believe that it, how God sees you, that he really cares for you and loves you, which he does. We dress up our lives trying to look the part while our lives behind the scenes are burning up. Which leads lastly to a disengaged church. You see, when we live disengaged lives of faith, it doesn't just affect those closest to us. It affects and impacts or it affects our impact as the body of Christ on those that God has called us to engage. A disengaged church is usually a church that looks healthy, may look healthy from the outside, but probably cares little about the people around them. Maybe they care for those inside the church, but they have no love for the lost and broken outside of it. You see, these are the broken realities of a community that is disengaged from the gospel and it is both individual and corporate, meaning that to combat it, to see it changed and transformed, it has to be on the individual and the corporate level. For we, and this is where we get to how the good news of the gospel is better than that, we have a Savior in Jesus that engages and calls us to engage. You see, Jesus engages us continually by His grace. Why? Because we've caught His eye. He looks at us and he says, no, that's my people. And he sees no other grass that's greener. <laughs> he says, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for my bride. Nothing can separate 
Not only that, but this was the plan all along. Guess what? Jesus signed up for this. He said, I'll do it. Even though we were enemies, he said, no, I'll do it. And then, then even though he's going to the cross, it says, for the joy set before him, he, what? he went to the cross. Even though he was punished in our place and he was hurt, he suffered for us by the laying down of his life. And guess what? All along the way, he forgave us. And then lastly, he gave that which cost him ultimately his life so that we might have life. And how often do you reflect on that? How often do you reflect on God's grace, mercy, and care for you, for the church? How would you engage the Word, community, and others if you began to really understand and believe the good news of the story of Jesus' engaging redemption? But again, He did not simply engage us. He called us, Matthew 28, to go and Acts 1-8 to be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth as we are empowered by His Spirit. You see, we are part of the body that has been commissioned to engage a world that is in need of good news. And guess what? A healthy body does not disengage. Even when it's hard, even when there's miscommunication, misunderstanding, even when there's hurt... Like when you're holding a hammer and you hit your thumb, your thumb doesn't yell at your other thumb and say, I'm done with you. Like get, get your act together. Aim better. It doesn't disengage. Maybe for a little while and then you reattach it or, you know, but like, a, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't disengage. You see, we have to stop gauging commitment by the easy hard scale. Because guess what? We're always going to run to and lean into the what? The easy. We have been called to die to self, to pick up our cross, to wash one another's feet. You see, if we are to be an engaging community, we have to begin to open ourselves up and to create space so that we might engage in the life call of the local body. So what in the world does it look like to be a community that is both biblically transformed and engaging? Well, I'm glad you asked. Acts 2, 42-47 is how we'll close. This is a picture, a beautiful picture and a model of what it means to be an engaging community. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So as we look at this passage, I want to say uh, two more things in terms of what it means by what, I'm, what we mean by engaging community when it comes to the culture of our church. The first is this. The, is my prayer for us is that we would move from being a welcoming community to being an engaging community. I had a meeting a couple of months ago with uh, some of you and we sat down and we talked. And man, that was one of the takeaways I got is that, man, our church, 
Our church is a welcoming church, but man, oftentimes like it never moves past welcoming. Not for everyone and not in every experience, but man, many times it's just like a pass by, like, hey, I welcome someone, but I don't engage in their lives. You see, welcoming, I believe, the way we defined it, stops short. You see, we're to engage and invest and to share life. And that means like, and you know, for some of you in here, you're already like your skin's already crawling because you're a visitor and you're like, what's going to happen? Don't be weird. Okay. Not y'all don't be weird. Like our people don't be weird. <laughs> right. Like, but it's, it, it's being intentional and gradual. It's not overwhelming. It's just saying, Hey, like one, I want to welcome you, but also, man, tell me a little bit about who you are. And I think for so long there's been this mentality of, oh, the pastor does that, right? Well, I'm only one person, okay? And I can't go and like, you know, but also like my brain on a Sunday morning is mostly mush, okay? Like it's just barely here. <laughs> Most days. But like that's it, like that we would well, that we would be intentional enough to say, hey, when I see someone, or man, when I see someone that maybe that's been a part of our church for a while, that I would get to know them a little better. We can get so comfortable in just our little circle. See, this is what we're after, and I believe this is what we've been called to. Man, I can go anywhere and feel fairly welcome. But what my soul needs most and long for is to engage and be engaged. Man, my, my hope is that when people leave here, when people leave here on Sundays or, man, in interaction with you, like, man, I feel it. I felt engaged. I felt cared for. Like, guess what? Everyone is on the hospitality team, even if you're not signed up for it. We all have that job. And I'm not going to share the second thing because we don't have time. So when we look at this passage, we see a few different things. Let me just break it down piece by piece. Uh, The background really quickly is this is following Pentecost where 3,000 people have come to faith. But it says this first. It says, and they devoted themselves. So the first thing we see is there was this devotion. They devoted or gave themselves over to something. They relinquished control of their lives. But I believe the key word there is that they... Or themselves. You see, an engaging community is collective and a unified community with the purpose and goal of growing in Christ together and sharing the good news of Christ with others. This is not for a select few. This is for all. They devoted themselves. Growing in the knowledge of understanding of Jesus and being transformed by His Word is, as I said last week, primary and imperative which is what they devoted themselves to, the apostles' teaching. You see, in seeking to be a biblically transformed and engaging culture, the church in Acts and us today, we must value the teaching and equipping of others. You need others. And you need the teaching and the wisdom and the care of others. It has to be done in community. The reason it has to be done in community is because not every voice that you listen to is a healthy voice. And you need people around you saying, hey, I don't think that's a very healthy voice. Not only that, I've said it a lot lately, you're likely one of your most unhealthy voices. Because you lie to yourself a lot. 
We need others. So that we might, the reason they were taught is so they might be equipped to then what? To go engage others. Next it says that they had fellowship and they broke bread together. Man, they spent time together. It wasn't just a gathering or a service on Sunday. They shared life. They shared meals. They shared struggles. They shared laughter. They shared needs with one another. And the next it says that they prayed together. They took time to pray. It wasn't simply just follow these best practices. It was prayerful dependence. How much are we praying for one another? How much are we praying for the local body? Man, when's the last time you just reached out to someone and said, hey, how can I be praying for you? Man, that's something for me too, like I'm trying to grow in. How many of you, you've actually reached out to someone else and said, hey, I need prayer for this. <laughs> but look at the product. So they, you see that and then you see the product in the verses that follow. It says, all came upon the church and the world around them. Because they were seeing the grace of transformation. Yes, they were seeing it in miracles that I believe still happen today. But also they were seeing it in the miracle. I believe the greatest miracle is when a dead person comes to life in faith. Okay? They were seeing that. It says they were in community together and unified. The reason they were unified is because they made the main thing the main thing. Guess what? They didn't agree on everything. Why do we expect the same? Especially in the church, we're like, well, I can only be friends with people that agree with me 100% on every single thing. No, it's not going to happen. Because guess what? Sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes they're wrong. And it's okay. I love the story. Like Jesus and his disciples, like he had a tax collector and a zealot. They didn't like each other. And yet he said, you're my disciples. It says they were sacrificial. It says they gave. They sold their possession and gave to all who had need, even if it cost them. Then it says, and day by day, which again, wasn't simply Sunday. Man, they were invested in life. And I'm not telling you we have to spend all our time together, right? But they were invested. They knew what was going on in one another's lives. They were not simply acquaintances. They were engaged relationally. It says day by day they had glad and generous hearts. You see, there was this willingness to sacrifice and it was an overflow of a heart that has received all they need in Jesus. And then it says, what were they doing? They were worshiping. Holistic worship. Giving all of themselves. They didn't put God in these categories or boxes or time. You know, they didn't schedule it out, right? And what happened was God moved and more and more were added day by day. So practically, as we close, how does this work out for us? Well, first, we must be a people that worship together. You have to be engaged. And man, you know, I mean in all of life, but primarily, like, man, you need to be here. Be here. And engage. Next, we need to grow in being more of an engaging culture than just simply a welcoming culture. How are you engaging those that walk in here on Sundays? How are you engaging your neighbors, coworkers, and friends where they are? A way to be engaging is to invite others into your life, but also into the life of what the church is doing.
Next, to be an engaging community, we have to engage in each other's lives, which takes time, but also takes a willingness and humility to know and be known by others, to help and be helped, to give and receive. To engage well, there's going to be a need also to disengage from other things. What controls today how you engage? Do the things that you value produce behaviors that lead you into or away from genuine community? You see, for us, we have to learn to value the kingdom over the culture. We li- Guess what? If you don't know, we live in a kingdom that's never going to pass away. Everything else will pass away. And it's not just we one day will live in a kingdom. No, Jesus says the kingdom's here. It's not fully yet, but it's here and now. And we live in it. We need to look to the kingdom. So that we might be the kingdom in the midst of the culture. You see, an engaging community is the one that is for the city in light of being for the kingdom. We don't run away from the city. (laughs) We don't assimilate and just become just like the city. No, we are countercultural We are a city set on a hill. We are the light of the world. I want to encourage you today to take a step towards engaging in community. I watched a documentary this week uh, on Mennonites and the Amish culture. Really cool, I know. Uh, but I was listening to it as I was actually like, I had it on. I was listening to it. I was writing out notes. And uh, this guy who's not a believer that leads the conversation, he asked the Mennonites who do community really well. <laughs> he says, what do y'all do bad? And he goes, relate. The guy goes, relationships. And he's like, how does that work? You do community well. What do you mean by relationships? And he just talked about how people will want to assimilate into Mennonite community. And he was like, we want them to come in, but we don't know. Like, we're so used to what we're doing that we kind of, people just kind of fall to the wayside because we, won't, we don't understand how to bring them in. And I was like, oh, man, that's the church, right? But what stuck out to me the most was this guy who, again, he's not a believer. He said this. He said, look, the world is moving away from community. This is an unbeliever. He said, the world is moving away from community. But when they see what you have, which is genuine, he said they desire it because it, and man, what wisdom. It is what is most natural to our hearts. And I heard that and I was like, oh man, like there's a lot of followers of Jesus that don't even understand that. Many times I don't even fully understand that. But that guy could say that he, because what he knew, and he made comments about it. He's like, man, if I spend much more time around y'all, I'm going to want to join in. Because the world is moving away from community. But when they see an engaging community that's centered upon the good news of Jesus, that is about the kingdom and not the brand, what they say is, man, that's what's natural. Like their heart is saying, no, that's what we want. That's what we want. Man, may we be a people that when people say that's what we want, we say, come on in. Let's get you assimilated into it. I want to encourage you to take a step towards community today, to engage in it. I'm going to have Brett come back up. I mean, I just want us to, maybe, uh, maybe just today, like as you think about that and as you wrestle with that, maybe think about those things that, uh, maybe there's something in your life right now that it's caused you to disengage from the church. 
I want you to just sit there, man. I want you to take that to Jesus. Maybe there's something else that's caught your eye. Maybe you need to lay that down in repentance. And then you need to look to the one whose eyes are set upon you. Maybe today you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, but I, it's just not what I signed up for. I, I, I don't, and I like with that, like you gotta lay it at your feet. You lay it at Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, give me a desire for the community you've called me to be in. Maybe it's hurt. Now I want you to do two things with that. Once I want you to lay that at Jesus' feet and then tomorrow when you feel the same thing, lay that at Jesus' feet and then the next, like, but also you need to share that with someone. Someone you trust, someone that's in community and say, hey, this is why I struggle really engaging in the life of the church. And will you just pray for me? Will you help to encourage me? When you see me wanting to run away, will you just say, hey, there's no better place to be. And then lastly, man, will you lay down, man, everything and say, and just say, God, give me the, give me the grace to be able to just say, I'm willing to sacrifice no matter the cost for the sake of your kingdom and glory. Maybe it's asking God, God, how, what's, what's something that I can, how can I engage? I want to encourage you that today. Also, man, we're going to worship. And man, if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to come and share as community in partaking uh, in the Lord's Supper, which is the, the, the reality of Jesus engaging our lives and redeeming us. And so we invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to come and join in and partaking of that when you're ready. And then we're going to worship. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are thank you. We're thankful that God, that you, um, God, that you don't leave us alone. That you didn't just uh, save us and then disengage, but that you sent your spirit. But also you've given us the church. Lord, let us grow in the, let us, let our hearts grow in value for both of those things. God, make us a people that do not disengage, but continually to engage in community, both together as the church, but also, God, that you would give us such a heart and passion to engage in the lives of others that are in need of this good news, that we would not be blind to it. That we would not just assume that they understand it, but that we would ask questions, that we would actually care about where they are, because you care for us. Empower us to do so. Give us grace where we fail. And let us lay all things at your feet. Because you are the one worthy of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.